Like the song Daydream by Lily Miola, we all start with these big dreams when we're kids and ideas for our lives. And along the way, society or family or whoever tells us what we should do or to be reasonable and what's the more realistic path. And slowly we start shifting our focus and decisions and living a life of someone else's design. And then we've got to go through this path of discovery and pivoting to find ourselves again. So we all go through these journeys. Here's just a little peek into mine and I hope it resonates. Welcome to Human on the Daily, the podcast for anyone wanting to break free of any boxes or expectations and embrace their full authentic self. I am Dr. Megan Daly, and I have been there. I've overcome so much trauma, dealt with so many stressors like competing in high-level athletics, rigorous academics, getting my doctor in physical therapy, and I did what I should do, right? I climbed the corporate healthcare ladder. And when that didn't make me feel fulfilled, I branched out and opened up my own cash clinic and built it to six figures in the second year. Yet I still felt like something was off when I looked in the mirror, and maybe you can relate. So I scaled back and really dove into the questions of who am I really, and what is it that I am meant to do? So together in this podcast, we are going to dive into all the tips, tools, and experiences for you to answer those same questions for yourself so you can live your best, most joyful, and fulfilled life. Because if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you really doing? So let's fucking go. Alright, so bonus episode today. I just wanted to go over a little bit of like my story and how the hell I got here. So growing up, there was a laundry list of things I wanted to be. I mean, my Enneagram 7 came out real early with going from ballerina to detective to soccer player to naval officer like my dad to a famous singer touring the world to a physician like both my parents. My parents are pediatricians. Um, never did I ever think author, speaker, podcaster, although I guess that last one didn't really exist in like the 80s and 90s so fair enough then I always I will say I always loved the medical field like I grew up going to the hospital with my parents while they did rounds and like I mean granted I was just sitting in the nurse's station but like I grew up very comfortable around hospitals but anyways I ended up going to college for math I was pre-med but I decided mathematics for my degree one because I loved it Um, all of my, and all of my backup career options. So if I didn't go to medical school, the things that I were interested in were engineering, architect, architecture, uh, computer science, math, like any, a lot of different mathematic fields. And probably one of the best pieces of advice my mother ever gave me was do not pick a degree just based on what will get you into medical school. Pick a degree based on if I change my mind, what do I want to do? Because her opinion was, she was like, I'm glad I ended up deciding that I still wanted to go to medical school. But if I hadn't, I had a chemistry degree and I would absolutely hate being a chemistry teacher or going into research. So she was like, choose a degree that makes sense for your second choice career. So I did, which I'm kind of grateful for because I ended up not going to medical school. I realized after my first year that that's not what I wanted to do. 
And I, backing up, I love the idea of physical therapy. I'd had multiple knee surgeries and injuries starting in as early as third grade. My first surgery was in fifth grade. Now we'll have an entire episode at some point on the absurd misinformation that I got from some of the healthcare providers that I worked with and how one of the areas that the system is broken in is all kinds of fear, giving patients all kinds of fear on what they can't do anymore. Most of the time it's, it's not entirely true. And then anyways, that'll be saved for another episode. But the reason that I never really gave physical therapy much of a thought growing up was the perception that I was given, particularly with physician parents was, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well become a sports med doctor. That's quote unquote better. It's the better degree. It has, it's the higher prestige. Um, at the time, mind you, PT was a master's degree growing up in the nineties. So sometime during my senior year, I was, well, like I had only a couple credits left for math. I was actually, I was taking a lot of credits, but just cause I was in the honors college and to graduate with honors, I had to take a bunch of extra stuff. And I found out suddenly I cannot to this day, remember how found out that physical therapy was now a doctorate, which meant more autonomy. And more importantly, in my head at the time, it meant it would be accepted by my parents. I This was, I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say it was three months before college graduation. So I actually graduated with my mathematics degree. In fact, I had an offer from my computer science professor to, he was on the board for the PhD program, or he was on the board for grad school in computer science and had come forward to me and was like, you have a spot if you want it. So I had this career option, but I really, like, it's probably one of the first times that I really jumped in on my instinct. Now, granted, it really, it only became an acceptable option to me, quote unquote, once I realized it would be accepted by my parents. So not a shocker. We'll be diving into some more of that on this podcast as far as not basing your decisions on the expectations of others. And this is a prime example of me basing my decision on an expectation of someone else. Now, do I regret it? Absolutely not, because it got me to where I am today. And I don't know where I would be if I had not made that choice for a couple different reasons that we'll dive into later. So I graduated with my mathematics degree. I immediately re-enrolled at USC, the USC, meaning South Carolina, not Southern California. We were a school before you were a state. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Okay. So I went back to school because pre-PT had different prereqs that I had not taken. So I actually had to go back and take basically like a full 12 hours each semester to get all of my prereqs for PT school that I didn't already have. I was working full-time as an admin assistant to be able to pay for said school. And I was getting all of my volunteer hours. So for PT school, you have to have an absurd number of volunteer hours. Well, you don't have to. It is required that you get some. And then in order to really get in, you, you need a lot. So I, and some of those hours, because I had to just go where I could get in. So I was in school in Columbia, South Carolina and working there. My parents were in Spartanburg, South Carolina, which was, it's about an hour and a half away. And I want to say once every other week, I was making the round trip drive up there just to do volunteer hours at a clinic that I could get into through connections of my parents. So that was a crazy year. And then 
I actually, the next year I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I worked as a tech for a year, one, to boost my hours, two, because I didn't get into PT school the first time, because by the time I was applying, like you have to apply in the fall and then you accepted by the spring. So I'm in the middle of all my prereqs. So they didn't really have my prereq GPA. So in hindsight, not shocking, I didn't get in. So the next year, I moved to Virginia where I can get a job as a PT tech to be able to apply with a full year of like completed prereq GPA. And I also figured if I worked in the environment for a year, I would have a really clear idea of if this was the right path for me before I went and dropped an asinine amount of money and three years of my life on it. And I really enjoyed it. I applied to a bunch of schools and I really didn't apply anywhere in the Southeast. This is just my personality. I've never been a homebody. I did not. I grew up in the Southeast outside of my study abroad experiences. I studied abroad twice in college actually, which we'll 100% be talking about on an episode. If anyone's listening, is like college age or younger for whatever reason, like my biggest piece of advice to you is to study abroad, preferably through a program that doesn't send a bunch of the same students from the same school. Like go with a program where you have to immerse yourself in the culture and get to know new people. Easily my biggest piece of advice. Okay, moving forward. I choose a school in Arizona, up and move across country, spend three years there getting my doctorate, exploring the area, falling completely in love with the state. I actually did apply a bunch of other places. Anyways, decided, ended up deciding to stay in Arizona and worked in corporate healthcare for about seven years. It must have been around year six. Yeah, year six is when we got the call that my dad had been diagnosed with cancer and had three to six months to live. We'll do an entire episode on that because that part of my life is probably one of the most pivotal parts of my life. So I feel like it warrants its own episode or two maybe because of the lessons that I learned. So I ended up working for two weeks and then going and being his caregiver for two weeks and flying back and forth across the country for that until I get my license in South Carolina to practice and pick up a part-time job and be there to be his caregiver a little bit more readily. And after he passed and I came back to Arizona, it was very apparent. For those of you who have like lost someone really close to you, you know how that makes your priorities so clear so fast and you really don't have any capacity for for the bullshit like everything that was wrong with the healthcare system and everything that was wrong with how most physical therapy clinics are run became so apparent to me that I just I've never been the kind of person to stay quiet I have definitely toned myself down based on expectations growing up but I butt heads with the higher up so many times like as when I came back, I very quickly decided to drop to part-time with benefits to try to create the space that I needed to work on grief and to kind of step away from that system because it really, like I was hitting burnout even faster because I was, it was so apparent to me how broken it was. And I just couldn't fathom, like I couldn't fight it anymore. I, I, my energy, I was, my system was working too much on the grief and I didn't have the energy anymore to really fight the system. Like I, I had been previously butting heads with the higher ups and trying to fight for patient rights was not like something new to me at that point. It just became stronger. Then at the beginning of 2020, I left corporate healthcare, opened up my own cash practice in 2020. So that was, y'all, everyone can imagine how well that went. The first two months were great. And then I had to shut down my brand new clinic that I hadn't really built up yet. No one really wanted to do telehealth because this was only supposed to be a two week thing where we were out. Yeah, well, we all know how that went. So anyways, I survived the pandemic, which entrepreneurship is crazy hard. So one thing that I want to, I actually want to back up a second. Not only did grief make it very apparent where things weren't going well, where my priorities needed to be, but it also forced me to slow down 
enough that everything that I had been ignoring came to the surface. I had always been like the energizer bunny, like nonstop, like go, go, go. And I had to slow down to the point where I had to really think about what I wanted. And I really had to face my emotions and things that I was holding on to from childhood, which we'll do an entire episode on that and like some patterns that I noticed and then have either have or am still working on breaking. Because let's be real, none of us escape childhood without some level of trauma. Like that, that just doesn't happen. And then the other part of this, so about the time that my dad got sick was actually also happened to be when I found personal development. The next year after he passed was this, roller coaster of having like being forced to slow down and really take care of my nervous system and take care of myself and I had to really start holding strong boundaries in order to protect that it made it very apparent where I wasn't holding boundaries and where I was giving all of my energy away and where I was leaning on the expectations of others and all of these stories that I had from my childhood that I were letting dictate how I lived my life so going through that year and using therapy and EMDR and lots of personal development techniques and starting to really dive into various like women's empowerment conferences. Like it was easily one of the hardest times in my life, but it also was the time that allowed me to see, just like figure out what my definition of success is, what I wanted and what I didn't want. I love the idea of like finding purpose through the pain. So that was one of the most painful times in my life. And it's not like grief pain ever fully goes away, but you do learn how to manage it and it's not so overwhelming. You can kind of ride the waves instead of them crashing over you and pulling you into the riptide. But it's also like, I found my purpose through it. I found myself through it. All right, circling back to, so I opened up this clinic. I, I was like, this is going to be the answer. It's gonna solve all of my problems. I can be the, a physical therapist. I can treat in the way that I think is best. I can treat one-on-one. -on -one. I can have all this time and I can create my own schedule. I can still work on myself. I can still travel. I can still dive into all these other things that I love. And this is actually, it's a pretty common thing that a lot of clinicians think. They're like, all right, cool. I still, like, I wanna do this thing, but I'm just gonna do it my way. I'm gonna go to cash route. I've heard it so much. The issue is, so I will say cash was so much better. So, so, so much better, but it didn't solve some of the main problems that I had realized I had. I still didn't really have space for other interests. Those of you who are entrepreneurs know that like particularly early on, it is, there's so much energy that you pour into it that where I was seeing 12 to 20 patients a day in outpatient and not able to give best care, like I could give best care, but really couldn't see more than six patients in a day now. And with all the admin work and all, like you just pour so much into it that it didn't really give me that space that I was thinking I would have. Again, it was so much better. I could create my own schedule, but even with boundaries, like the amount of energy it took, particularly because it was one-on-one. -on -one. So if you were someone who was treating, you're a service-based provider and you treat one-on-one -on -one and you don't have something else, some product or some group offering or something, it's like a time to money exchange that's so direct that it's, you're going to have a cap on energy before you have a cap on income or you're sorry. Yeah. You're going to hit a ceiling on income that is a good exchange for the amount of energy that you're having to give in order to reach it. So the other part is while boundaries definitely like boundaries are imperative as an entrepreneur, they actually, they all, they got significantly harder to hold y'all. Like I am so freaking good at them at this point, but it's because I went through so long of the struggles of not holding them and then seeing what that happened. And then the more that I've stuck to my guns and hold, held them, the better that I have gotten at that and recognizing where I needed them. So no space for other interest 
interest, the boundaries, the energy exchange, the ceiling on income, and then the location freedom. So I got the time freedom that I wanted, but I realized I now own a brick and mortar that doesn't make money unless I'm there. And I don't, I very quickly realized that I did not have any interest in building up a clinic to have people underneath me. If you, if you happen to be a clinician listening to this and you think that a cash clinic is going to be the answer, like that is, that is your goal, that is your purpose in life, you need to have two things. You need to have one, a plan to grow it and delegate to other people so that you can actually work on the business, not in the business and, and build your life. And then two, you need an exit strategy. Like how, how are you going to be able to step away from it, both for like a vacation, but also for like retirement? Like what is your strategy there? Those are two things that people don't really think about that they need to. All right, so I got into this cash clinic. I built it up. I actually hit six figures in the second year, which was awesome, but I very quickly realized it was not worth the amount of energy that I had to give in order to do so. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm pumped that I was able to do that. And actually I didn't even realize that I did that until maybe a year later, like, 100% one of my big goals for right now is to get better at looking at my numbers because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm shit at it. Like it, that's just not my jam and I need to get over it and actually look at the numbers. So anyways, didn't realize it for a while. And on one hand, I'm really proud of myself, but I'm actually more proud of myself for recognizing that it wasn't worth the energy exchange and being willing to pull back and then diving into what is it that I want to do? Who am I? What is my purpose? Like, what is the problem that I want to solve? Because it's clearly not just being a physical therapist and there's nothing wrong with someone who does. It's just not for me. So this took years of coaching and therapy and lots of exploring ideas and trial and error and a ton of failure, y'all. Like the number of times that I have failed, although to be honest, I don't know if I love the word fail for them because even though they're, they were failures in the traditional sense, like trying something and failing and it not going well or starting to build something and realizing halfway that I put all this time and energy into something that I didn't want to do. What it did do though was allow clarity for the direction that I did want to go. By knowing better what I don't want to do, I was able to get more clear on what I did want to do and how to get there. So along the way, I found myself. I found my people and I found my purpose, including this podcast, the journal, the courses that I run. So I know this is really just a touch and it's a very quick overview of my story. Like, I mean, who can really fit their story into a 20 minute episode? And regardless, like I, I want the point of this sure for you to know a little bit more about me but for you to listen and get insight like find something that you resonate with listen to my story as something to gain insight from learn from my mistakes all those things like if you've ever been in a room or if you've ever been in a mastermind or a group coaching course you know that you learn almost more actually when you are listening to someone else get coached or when you are trying to coach or teach someone else like so I teach for ICE, which is a clinical education company. And I say all the time, I learned so much every single time I teach it, not only from the students, but from just the process of me teaching, you learn so much. So that's kind of how I want you to approach some of these is like, this isn't me getting on here to talk about myself for the sake of talking about myself. Like that's just, just no, but it is me getting on here and talking about myself so that you can have some insight into who you are a little bit more, what you want. Like I want some takeaways for you on how to live your life more for yourself. I, I can promise you what I'm doing now doesn't make sense to a lot of people, particularly my family. Like I said, I chose a, to go get my DPT because as soon as it became a doctorate, it was acceptable for them. What do you think they think about me now kind of pivoting from my doctorate and doing something else? In fact, that 
will probably be an entire episode in of itself. Simply the the idea of letting go of your identity being tied to a degree or a certification that you have, because I think there. I know actually there are a lot of people that can resonate with that. And it was a huge struggle for me. And I know anyone who's gone through it or is facing it, it's a struggle for them as well. So if, if that sounds like you, I'll work on that episode. You are very much not alone. Okay, let's finish off with just some fun, fun facts, like some very basic, like who are you kind of things. For me, I was born in Florida, raised in South Carolina. My mom was in the Army Med Corps when I was born. My parents were actually first year resident pediatricians when I was born. I grew up, we almost took no family vacations because they actually built a private practice from the ground up in South Carolina until I was about seven when the hospitals bought it. So little to no family vacations. So I got into my love of travel actually with those study abroads in college. I went to Poland and I went to Northern Ireland. And then from there, I traveled all over Europe, but mostly by myself. And then, I mean, I've gone kind of crazy since then. I've done 20 countries, over 10 of them were solo. I love backpacking, I love camping. Um, I did grow up going to a summer camp, shout out Camp Canuga in North Carolina. So I grew up hiking and backpacking there and I got into archery as well. I kind of wish I'd stuck with that one. Maybe I'll circle back to that. I wonder if there's an archery camp around here. I am an Enneagram 7. If anyone knows much about the Enneagram, I am a human design. It's a 5-2 splenic manifester. I'm actually going to bring the girl that I did my human design session with. I'm 100% bringing her on as a guest because I things like that are just so insightful as to who you are and the patterns. Like I just, I've never felt more seen than in the one-on-one -on -one sessions that I've done for Enneagram and human design. Like they're nuts. They're really great tools to use. I have a teddy bear sitting on my nightstand and I probably forever will because it was given to me by the hospice nurse when my dad died. It's a cute little teddy bear. It's got a little um, crystal teardrop on its eye. Let's see what else. I grew up playing competitive soccer. I actually really loved gymnastics, but that first knee surgery took me out for life. And in fact, one thing I'll talk about, I was told I would never be able to squat heavy or run on hard ground. And I don't really push the hard ground as far as like a basketball court, but I did pick up trail running after my dad died. And I've been a competitive Olympic weightlifter. So jokes on my surgeon. He's a phenomenal dude. I had enough surgeries that he actually wrote my recommendation letter for colleges and for PT school, if I'm not mistaken. But there were some, some things that he, he told me that were just not true. And it's part of what I love about educating people as a physical therapist is how strength training and movement really is medicine. I'm a CrossFitter. I have my L1 coaching certification. I coach every now and then for fun. And... I have always been obsessed with corgis, always. Finally got one, I have a rescue corgi. He's the cutest thing ever. I've had him since he was six years old. He's now, he's about to turn 11 in June. I'm always down for an adventure, probably the Enneagram seven in me, but like I always wanna try something new, go jump off a waterfall, go. Like I think my next thing might be trying like silks or Lyra, like the acrobatic stuff. That looks pretty dope. My mom legitimately nicknamed me the Energizer Bunny. And I mean, I know I joked about it earlier with being go, 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 but I'm now this, I've figured out ways to regulate my nervous system and still be the very active, energetic human that I am. I am obsessed with snowboarding and I didn't get into it until who I was probably, let's see, I'm now 36. I probably got into snowboarding at like 32, 33. And I'm legitimately debating moving somewhere cold just so that I can 
board laps when it actually hits winter and I can have a longer winter season. And y'all, mind you, I really don't like the cold. Like I ha- am in bundled up when it's under 70 degrees in Arizona. Can't see a dog and not want to pet it and I will probably squeal with excitement. And lastly, I have an amazing fiance. His name is Andres. He is a competitive CrossFitter and a nutrition coach. I'll actually, because I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this that are into CrossFit and would love to just kind of follow along a competitor's journey. So I'll tag his account below. And yeah, I would love to hear from you. So hope this episode resonated. Hope there are a couple things that got your your brain going as far as living life more for yourself rather than the expectations of others and figuring out who you are. And then I would love to know, who are you? What are some random fun facts about you? Actually, real quick, one last thing before I jump off. So that part of the episode where I mentioned that you learn so much from watching others get coached and being able to go through things with other like-minded people and just getting in the room. Well, if you are an allied healthcare professional who wants to be in the room with a bunch of other clinicians who know they are made for more and want to break out of being a hamster that's just stuck on the wheel of the healthcare system, then check out the link in the show notes. I've got a giant deal for you. This course is going to, it's a three-month course, and it's going to increase in price pretty significantly next month because of the extra support that I'm adding in. But if you jump in right now, like legitimately right now, it's got to be before June 1st, you can jump in at the old price. So check out that link. Do you shoot me a DM on Instagram? Like, however you want to get that message to me, I would love to hear from you. I really, really want to know you. All right. And make sure to check back on Monday. A new episode will be dropping, and I will talk to you then. High five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode. It is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful. So if this resonated, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at move on the daily and hum- at human.